When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets Tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. The following is a 1500 ESPN Twin Cities production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Overlooking U.S. Bank Stadium, the home of the NFC's only 4-0 team, it's another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN.com. Joined by Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgat of 1500 ESPN and 1500ESPN.com. We are back at U.S. Bank Stadium after the Vikings' 24-10 win over the New York Giants on Monday night to move to 4-0 before they face the Houston Texans on Sunday and then head into their bye week with the possibility of heading to 5-0 before what could be a showdown game against the Philadelphia Eagles, just as everybody drew it up. Uh, Impressive performance for the Vikings on Monday night. Uh, The defense was basically what we've come to expect, I guess, and, and the Vikings were able to take Odell Beckham out of the game and, and get under his skin as, as teams have been able to do lately. But taking him out of the game is not something that anybody has done quite with the success the Vikings had Monday night, and their offense showed up uh, in a way that we have not seen yet this year. So uh, the Vikings are 4-0, another impressive performance, and they will uh, continue to try to, to move forward as they go on to Sunday's game against the Houston Texans on a short week. Guys, uh, overall thoughts on the night? On the performance? Dare I say this, gentlemen? Dare I say that the Vikings defense has become a joy to watch? Dare I say that in this town where Randy Moss in 1998, on this very site, in a different building, made offense everything, offense was sexy, that the Viking defense is not only sexy, but you actually look forward to them coming on the field to frustrate teams? I never thought that I would be sitting here telling you guys as someone who's watched this team for a long, long time and seen some putrid defenses. I never thought I would sit here and say, I actually, while I think the offense did a nice job tonight and made some positive strides, 
I actually am now to the point where I look forward, Matthew, to the defense taking the field because they are that dominant. And what's fun is you never know how they're going to PO opposing players now. Yeah, you know, what's funny is it's 2016 and it's always talked about the statistics that are put up by quarterbacks and how records are constantly being broken by offenses and that it's become a passing league we hear everybody talk about all the time. And here's a defense that has led this team to 4-0 and and has been so dominant. And I, I got to admit, I kind of rolled my eyes at times when people talk about the Denver Broncos and what they did last year, getting to the Super Bowl based mostly on defense. And I'm watching it in action here in Minnesota game after game where I think, no, 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 this will be the game where they break, right? This will be the game where somebody finally gets to them as the Giants bring in this really good offense, Eli Manning throwing for over 300 yards a game, and they have the one of the best wide receivers in the league. And tonight, it's Xavier Rhodes. Last week, it's the defensive line sacking Cam Newton eight times, and tonight, three catches for 23 yards for Odell Beckham against Xavier Rhodes and the Minnesota defense. So every week, they're doing something that is just totally unexpected against the personnel that they're facing on the other side. That whole approach of this team did this to win the Super Bowl last year, so why can't we do it? That typically bugs me. And the 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 example <laughs> I remember from my time covering baseball, I was covering a god awful Washington Nationals team that went fifty nine and one oh two, I think, the first year I covered them, uh good enough to get Steven Strasburg. They come to, to spring training the next year saying, Hey, the Tampa Bay Rays went worst to first last year. Why can't it happen to us? Well, actually, the fact that the Rays did it probably, and given how hard it is to do that, probably means that it's not going to happen two years in a row, so it probably means your odds are actually worse. So as much as you like to kind of cling to that, it's probably a fallacy. That said, you do see more teams being able to win with a defense now and, and not having to have this dominant passing game. You saw the Broncos do it last year, and the Vikings certainly seem to be setting up to be the kind of team that can can go a long way with that approach if they can get the kind of performance they did tonight from their offense. Here's what's fun, though. Uh, four games in is watching how they do it firsthand. I mean, it, this is not just a collection of really good personnel and they play the scheme and, and it works. This is hand-in-hand, hand, really good personnel with a scheme that week-to-week, week, you look at it and you say, wow. For example... Carolina game, right? Benjamin plays against Rhodes. But when Benjamin Kelvin moves, Rhodes doesn't move. So they, they've got a scheme where Rhodes plays man, and then if Benjamin moves, the Vikings play zone. Okay, that's, that's a cool plan. Tonight, you watch the start of the game, and Rhodes is following Beckham around everywhere. I just I find it intriguing, and, and we are still looking at a team that for the last two weeks against a good, really good quarterbacks had basically had the ability to say, Xavier Rhodes is our best corner, and he's going to play a lot, but he's not even going to play the whole time. So I think what's cool about this is seeing how, how Zimmer goes about basically setting up a scheme with his personnel that you look at it and say, I didn't see that coming. That's what's so intriguing to me about this. Yeah, I sort of wonder if last week, if they would have done that with Rhodes on Benjamin, if he wasn't coming off that knee injury, if they would have said, hey, we're going to put you on him. I mean, given the the number of times they've done that 
against Alshon Jeffrey. Calvin Johnson probably would have done it against Odo Beckham last year had he been not suspended. I wonder if they would have tried to do that. But, yeah, the fact that they're able to say we can mix and match and take Kevin Benjamin out and then tonight basically put Xavier Rhodes on him with some help at times. But uh, they could basically do that and, and take him out of the game. You know, I, I thought it was uh, was pretty impressive. Matthew, you spent some time with Rhodes earlier this week kind of picking his brain on what this matchup would be like. Did, did it pretty much uh, play out according to – what he had said this week? Yeah, there was something really interesting that he pointed out to me, which was that he said Beckham likes to get physical in the middle of his routes, <laughs> which is a really polite way of saying... He likes to push off. Yeah, right, he likes to push <laughs> off. He likes to cheat the system a little bit and then dare them to call offensive pass interference. And I believe one of his three catches was a pretty blatant offensive pass interference where he pushed Rhodes right away from him. But Rhodes did a very good job of stopping him when he did that. And it's pretty clear that if you want to get physical with Xavier Rhodes, you're really not going to do very well that way because he's six foot one. He's got the size and the feet to be able to keep up with any one of these guys. And, and to me, what was the most interesting is I talked to several different Vikings about this, Harrison Smith and Captain Munnerlin, and the question to them was, will you try to get underneath his skin? And everybody to a man said, no, I'm just going to play my game, just going to play my game. And it, clearly they did want to get underneath his skin as Xavier Rhodes was able to frustrate him. And then he disappeared after that. He got the penalty, got a couple of catches, and then was a complete no-show the rest of the night. And for Eli Manning, I mean, you take away his best player, not just with Rhodes, but sometimes uh, putting Harrison Smith over him too. So you've got your two best defensive backs, making sure he doesn't get anything. And then we saw the the passing game really sputter for Eli Manning and, and, and the Giants. I'm not sure that the way they took him out of the game was sitting there talking a lot of trash. I, I think in some ways, if you get physical with him and you throw his timing off, he, he kind of seems like he's pretty easy to rattle just by things not necessarily going his way, doesn't it? I mean, Xavier Rhodes getting oh, physical yeah, with definitely. him. I mean, what set him off, that I think, was that play on the sidelines when, when he felt like Rhodes hit him out of bounds. And the refs possibly could have called something there, but they didn't. And But then Beckham comes back and, and really, rather than kind of handling it in a, in a reasonable, professional way, he comes back and, and gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I, it doesn't seem like it takes a lot to rattle this guy right now. That's the that thing that kind of surprised me. I mean, after what happened last week in him hilariously kicking the uh, net into yes. his own head. Yes, <laughs> which was fantastic. I, right. It was, it was really funny in slow motion especially. But, I mean, after that, and his coach, Ben McAdoo, even called him out for having a little temper tantrum and said he's got to control himself a lot better. And we saw against, uh, I think it was Washington, yep. Eli Manning was going over to him, and we saw different teammates trying to calm him down. And you would think that at least for one week we would have seen a much calmer Odell Beckham, but it didn't take all that long. It got into late in the first quarter, early second quarter, mm -hmm. for Xavier Rhodes just playing physical football with him to get it underneath his skin. It kind of makes him look like, I don't want to... What's, what's the right word for it? Like a guy who just can't well, take petulant. it. He can, right, he can give it out, but he certainly can't take it. And he, I thought it really affected him. It was interesting to hear Eli Manning say it after the game, too, that he said some of this is on him now. I mean, Beckham tried to say, oh, the refs are always looking at me. I have this reputation, so everybody sort of is is expecting me to do it. And Manning said, no, this is this is your thing, man. This is You are bringing this on yourself. You're not the victim here. It was... Interesting to hear him say that, and you sort of wonder 
uh, where that goes from here. But, uh, yeah, pretty interesting night on that side of things. The football cliche, though, is what on defense? Come out and punch him in the mouth, right? These guys do that. Everybody's got that, a plan until you hit him in the that, mouth. But that's the thing. That's the thing. The starting point for the Vikings defense is what? I don't know if they talk trash or not. I don't care. But what they do is they come out and kick your ass, basically. Yeah. And they say, okay, come at me now. And that is what this defense, I think when this defense takes the field in the first quarter, the most important thing that they do is they set a physical tone and they basically test your will. And they punch you in the mouth and they say, do you want to play or not? And I think more and more now teams are like, uh, not really. <laughs> but, but, but that's a starting point. To me, it, it's a cliche, but it's a starting point because they will kick your butt. And if you don't get up, you're basically, you're, you might be done. There's a party on our podcast and you're invited. Hey, everyone. Anthony Maggio here. Join me, Bo Mitchell, and John Tuvey every Thursday through week 16 of the NFL season for 1500 ESPN's Fantasy Football Party Podcast. Whether you're an office league novice or swimming with the DFS Sharks, we've got all the analysis and mostly dated cultural references you need to make you a winner. Find us on Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or subscribe on iTunes today. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next Sunday here when DeAndre Hopkins comes in. I mean, another good receiver, but is there any reason to think that, I mean, now that they've done it against Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, Eli Manning and this group of receivers, I mean, is there anybody that we look at and say this team is going to give them too much to handle? Well, after facing Cam Newton, Kelvin Benjamin, and then tonight uh, against Odell Beckham and shutting them down, I don't expect them to be able to shut down every wide receiver they face. They're going to have hiccups at some point, yeah. Right, but I do expect them to be this good on a week-in and week-out basis. And I thought one of the keys tonight, you mentioned coming right out and punching them in the mouth. One of the keys tonight was... The Giants tried to run a little bit early in the game, and Linvale Joseph just took their center and pushed him back about yeah. eight yards yeah. into the backfield and grabbed the running back and yanked him down. There was no running game for the Giants whatsoever, and this is the fourth straight game where other teams have tried a little bit and have had the opportunity, because the offense wasn't running away from them for the, the Vikings, they've had the opportunity to try to establish somewhat of a running game and Joseph especially, also the linebackers too, Anthony Barr was great tonight. They, they just have not allowed that at all. So they've forced them into passing downs all the time, and then that's where Zimmer can use his creativity and they can use Harrison Smith to his best abilities too. Hard to run the ball when your backfield looks like a 10-car pileup. Yeah, and Joseph's a beast. Yeah. Joseph is – I mean, it's, it's hard to believe now that the Giants let that guy get away Yeah, in free agency. Because they basically – Replaced him, right? I mean, the, yeah. with Jonathan Hankins, I mean, that basically was a, a move to replace him. Yeah, but, I mean, this guy is a complete beast. I will say this, though. Among the, among the in, in my opinion, the massive positives tonight is the fact that Blair Walsh misses the field goal. The Giants come down the field eventually and score, and they are within a touchdown. Yep. You're saying to yourself, once again, typical Viking <laughs> follower, you're saying, okay, you know what's going to happen? Fourth quarter, these SOBs are going to come back and tie the – the game and it's going to start all over again and what the vikings offense did was what next series they come right down and score yeah that was an impressive drive and and the offense tonight to me turned a corner and i think what we saw tonight was the start of the post adrian peterson offense which is a more diversified attack which is which is mckinnon can be used and can be very good he's not peterson but 
what we're seeing right now, I think, is the morphing of this offense from, all right, the game plan has to revolve around 28 to Bradford's our quarterback. Now what should the game plan be? We need, like, a sports Grinch bingo game on here. When, when Judd talks about Adrian Peterson and the future of having a more diversified offense, if you can get that and Pat Shermer in the same sentence, it's like a double ESPN bonus. showed Pat Shermer a lot tonight. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. I mean, Tony Sperano. Sam is, Bradford has been here now, now, I believe, almost exactly one month. And Sam Bradford has done a very good job. But if you morph this offense now into an offense that can run the ball, that, by the way, can throw the ball to its, to its backs, that, by the way, can get protection for Sam Bradford from its backs and now can start to diversify the passing game, that's going to be a huge step. No so that, sacks on Sam Bradford tonight. And no turnovers still yes. for Sam Bradford that's since remarkable. he's been the quarterback. They've turned the ball over once all year, right? To me, the biggest— the defense. You're, yeah, you're oh, right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. The offense has yet to turn wow. the ball over in four games. Uh, yeah, you're right. The way through with the season. That really shouldn't count, I don't think. Uh, when it comes to the offense and what they did tonight, using Cordero Patterson, he had two catches last year, and he had five tonight. And Charles Johnson, we spent the middle of the week on the Purple Podcast talking a little bit about is he going to be a part of this offense? And a lot of people were asking, is it time to put in Laquan Treadwell? Or, or what, what can they do to add an extra weapon here? And they used every weapon that they have. Johnson makes the big catch in that comeback drive after giving up the touchdown. Patterson doesn't get a ton of yards, but he is a weapon. And he gets a 21-yard catch right after the turnover. And then, again, even though Jarek McKinnon didn't put up a ton of yards, he showed that he could be part of the receiving game as well. There was even one play where they sent him all the way out wide. And, and, and that's the different element that he brings with Jarek McKinnon that we've been talking about and waiting to see a little more of. And he gets three catches tonight to go along with it. So instead of just having to force the ball to Stefan Diggs, now other teams are game planning for Stefan Diggs only and maybe Kyle Rudolph too and he's able to work the ball to other places. We like to let our first-round receivers marinate for a couple of years around here, don't we? Give him a couple of years to, so to get it right, and then me. maybe 2019. Somebody, somebody there? I don't delve know. deep into the mind of Cordero Patterson and explain this. Why does being turned into a gunner, which, by the way, is like a sewage job, <laughs> why does that make him almost wake up Cordero Patterson, since they put him at Gunner against the Panthers, has actually been far more engaged yes. than I've ever than I've yes. ever seen him. If I, I don't know if they decided that this might work, but he he made a nice play to at, at least help force a fumble tonight on a punt return by the Giants. Yep. And then he goes out and catches five passes. He has not caught as many as five passes. He caught six passes in October 2014 at Tampa Bay. He has not come close since until tonight. Well, it was interesting to hear Mike Prefer say this week that they had thought of this idea last year when Patterson was kind of being marginalized in the offense. They kind of said, well, okay, if he's not playing as much, can we have him on special teams? And they never really did it last year. And I asked Mike Zimmer this week, do you think he would have accepted this role last year? And Zimmer said, probably not. I heard him say that on Monday, yeah. I mean, it, that was interesting to hear that. And I said, what changed? He said, I think he wants to get on the field. I think he wants to do whatever it takes to play. But you would you would have thought that when his Mankato roommate Adam Thielen had leapfrogged him on the depth chart at the end of 2014, when he basically didn't have a role at all last year, that it, it would have clicked at some point. And maybe it's the fact that he's in a contract year. Maybe it's the fact that they declined his option. Whatever it would happen to be, maybe the, the financial piece of it has you know gotten into his head now. But I even remember in the offseason when 
Andrew Kramer and I went up to the, the Vikings Winterfest in Duluth. We talked to him there, and he said, he, I mean, he said he was, he was working on the route running coach, and he kind of said, you know, if, if it doesn't click this year, it's it's probably not going to click for me at all, at least here, which, like, well, yeah, they, you know, because they're not going to keep you if it doesn't click this year. But it was interesting to hear him talk about that and, and sort of get a sense that, okay, maybe he's starting to get it. And, and talking to people around him, too, it was this sense of, all right, the message is finally starting to hit home a little bit. And it was, it's been interesting really the last couple of weeks to kind of see now they've sort of said, almost like you, you proved to us that you could do the grunt work and and now we're going to give you a little bit more of what you want. I mean, it's, uh, it certainly has been an interesting turn here to say the least. I also wonder if it's you guys are both hockey guys. If it's a little like when, somebody is a top prospect and they believe that they can be a number one center. They yeah. think they're going to be the 30 goal scorer yep. and the superstar. And it's always tough to go through that realization that that's just not going to be you. That's not where you're going to fit in on the team. Or if you're a big baseball prospect, go maybe, kill penalties. maybe you're fit better to be a utility outfielder or utility infielder or something like that. And with Cordero Patterson, you could see him thinking, I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. And eventually he realizes, you know, this is a pretty damn good team. So if you could just play your role a little bit and be a gunner when they ask you to be a gunner, then you're going to help the team win and everybody's going to benefit. And then the other part sort of falls in line, too, with him uh, being included in the wide receiving game. My question is this. What has got him to uh, take seriously and learn how to run routes? Because that's the key thing, right? Yeah. Bill Patterson is he could have been from day one a gimmick player. He was in year one. They basically got frustrated after that and didn't did not play him as much. But for whatever reason, someone has at least gotten through to him a little bit to say, OK, we need you to be able to run routes. What's really in- intriguing to me, though, is Bridgewater, we, we expected to develop and, and improve, blah, 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 blah. All of that being said. There is no question right now, though, that Sam Bradford at this stage of his career, knowing as much of this offense as he does a month in, is doing things that I don't think that that they, they would have gotten from Teddy. I think Bridgewater would have been efficient and improving, but to me, what you're seeing on a weekly basis now in the three games from Bradford is a guy who clearly understands exactly what has to be done. He's not forcing balls in. He's making smart plays. And and that, to me, the day the Bridgewater went down, you're thinking to yourself, these guys might be dead. I mean, yeah. they're literally going to go to a garbage pile of quarterbacks and say, give us one. They make this trade, and this guy has played incredibly well, I think. Just watching the highlights, how did Odo Beckham not get kicked out of this game for bumping that ref? I mean, after the, the Rhodes play. To get between uh, Rhodes and Beckham. But and he I- kind of gives the ref a shoulder here, doesn't he? I think he gives him a right shoulder, here. but I think the ref tries to get between the two of the players as well. Yeah, I mean, then he flips his helmet off too. Man, it, well, the helmet could have quite done a night. if he was still on the field. Yeah. yeah, yeah, quite a night for him. Yeah, but uh, but Bradford to me has been has been a, a guy who who you thought okay this should work, and man, his career has not been great, but it's a nice pickup to a wild pickup. This might be this this has the potential, and I don't want to go too far here but this has the potential for us to say first and fourth round pick that's pretty damn good trade could it, be higher it, than a fourth 
Yeah, it could be too. You're right. It, it does. And you know, the thing with Bradford that I always wondered about is, you know, he's a first overall pick and I've said it before. We've kind of raved about it before. Watch him in practice, throw the ball, watch him in some of these games, throw the ball. I mean, just accurate and quick getting the ball out and the, the ball's got great velocity on it, all that. He's got all the tools, right? So we sat here saying, like, what was the problem? Was it that maybe he just couldn't pick up offenses, or was it you know, maybe the tools that he had and things like that? And we've watched him be put in maybe the most challenging situation you could ever be put in to not only just be asked to be a starting quarterback in a week, but also with expectations on that team, not just, oh, yeah, go play quarterback and somebody's got to do it. But, hey, you've got to win us games because we have a great defense. And how quickly he has not only picked up this offense, I wondered if he would take control as the leader of the offense because when you interview him, he's very calm, he's – He's kind of quiet, and you think, okay, is this guy really going to be the leader? He doesn't have that Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton-like swagger of being like the superstar quarterback. And from what everybody in the locker room is saying, and I think what we've seen is a guy who has done that and also proved, Mike Zimmer said tonight, gritty was the word he used. And I think there have been times, maybe not as much in this game, but in the Packers game Mm -hmm. and at times in Carolina where he's had to battle through or take hits or things like that. And he's continued to do that and lead to wins. Gritty. Hockey word right there. Yeah, a little bit. When I think of gritty, I think of obnoxious St. Louis Cardinals fans like David McCoy from WCCO talking about all of the like runts, shortstops, and second basemen they have that come in and try to Grittiest spike people guys high. In corners, man. Gritty is going to get the puck and dig the puck out and center it out. Front. It is. That's what gritty is, you, you, and that's what Bradford's doing. That's it, the point. It just, yeah, it makes me think of hey, obnoxious Nick, Cardinals fans, and it's so nice to see them get bounced out of the playoffs. Was, wasn't Nick Punto Best on the Cardinals last uh, World Series? Oh, Nick Punto is the most saying. Cardinals player of all time. Incredibly gritty. Slides into first base. Yep. Head first. That's how black Punto is. Utility infielder gets dirty. Oh, ugh, yuck. The, the Vikings defense, also gritty, by the way. Yes. But like in the real, I was going to say something about Ron Gardner batting Nick Punto. I just, I still can't believe, boys, that I'm sitting here saying saying that for the first time in my life, watching a football team, I look forward to the defense getting on the field on a consistent basis because I want to see how they're going to tick off opponents. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And and when the Texans come in in here on Sunday, they're going to provide the Texans with looks that we're not expecting. Yeah, I was talking to Matt Bowen uh, from ESPN this week about that. I mean, Matt Bowen played seven years in the league and now analyzes mostly defenses, obviously, for, for ESPN. And he said, I, he's like, I could watch Coach Zimmer's blitzes all day. I just love to watch them because they have so many different looks. They do so many different things. that, And we were kind of talking about it. It's like, yeah, you, with this team right now, you almost look forward to seeing the defense more than anything else, which is, is so counterintuitive to the way the NFL, A, tends to work, and B, probably wants to work. They want the quarterbacks to be the stars. They want lots of points. Right now, though, the the defense is kind of the the the, uh, the drawing card for the Vikings. Well, what Judd is talking about, and I go back, and you guys probably go back and watch the game too, and look at the film and all that. And I always look for that's your job, not mine. I, okay. Well, I always look for what's new this week that I didn't see last week. And this week, Harrison Smith is always coming up to the line. I mean, it's, it's great the way they can use him because he can guard a wide receiver one on one if he's at the line. But he kept showing blitz over and over, showing blitz, showing blitz. And then he would drop back a lot of the time to double cover Odell Beckham. 
And, and, and they were moving around Sendejo and Smith all the time because, you know, they do the no-huddle offense, Eli does. So he gets up, and he's looking all over to read the defense, and they were showing him different looks. And there were several times where he took the snap and clearly thought he had a one-on-one matchup to throw to Beckham and then discovered that he didn't and then just checked it down immediately. And so instead of potentially getting a one-on-one matchup, he ends up with, well, we're just going to have to settle for three or four yards and dump it off to the running back. And it it really made their offense sputter. The statistics look even better than Eli Manning played. I mean, they get that one screen screen pass. And I know, right, when they didn't hit all the home runs, it was great. But, I mean, you get the one screen pass later in the game. Outside of that, though, consistency and moving the ball, it was, what, 35-25 in terms of time of possession? Yeah. Something like that. They did not move the ball very well, and I think that was a factor. Question for both you guys. Are the Vikings right now the best team in the National Football League? I would say the best team in the NFC. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say the best team in the NFL when the Patriots are able to kind of putter along and and remain undefeated without Tom Brady. Now they're about to get Tom Brady back. But, uh, yeah, right now I'm not sure I'd take anybody over them in the NFC. Uh, you got to give the Buffalo Bills a little credit for beating the Patriots, sir. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah, minutes. with uh, Brisket playing quarterback, brisket, you mean? Yes, that's With a bad name. hand? Uh, yeah, Three completions no, of the first with, with Tom Brady back, the Patriots have a really good case, and so do the Broncos. But I think right now, considering quality of competition, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, I think I would put them as the number one team in the NFL. That does not mean they finish the season. No, but I'm saying right now. One. But as of right now, if I were a power rankings person, I think I would put the Minnesota Vikings number one in my power rankings. We have them. I, I actually, hopefully nobody from ESPN is listening to this, but I don't vote in them. I just, I don't. You don't, I don't vote? Are you supposed to? I, I think. I'm, are you shirking your responsibilities? Do you well, look at them? Do you look yeah, at them? I look at them. I, the thing but is are now. are you supposed that, to vote and you don't vote? Well, listen. Are you withholding a vote? All right. I'm curious about this Listen, because it's part of your contract. I'm so sure. no, it's not. It's I. I have to. They they have this thing now where you have to like put all the teams in different orders. You have to do like matchups from one team to the next. Like I don't. I don't have a. Don't have time to do all of that with all the other stuff we're doing. And B. It's like I'm. I don't know. If that's the most. I. I don't feel qualified to rank all 32 teams when I mostly just watch this one. I am going to. So um, I am trying to cast a responsible vote right. and be a restrained and discerning NFL analyst, oh, unlike good. some people God, I know quit on this podcast. Words. This podcast just got really exciting. I, I, am go- I am going to be the anti-sports Grinch for one second, boys, and I'm going to tell you this. Okay, can you make it quick? Because I want to get your Grinchy takes on Blair Walsh here in a minute. Okay, the anti-sports <laughs> Grinch is this. Next to Bill Belichick and his team, or perhaps along with them, I can't think of a team in this league right now that has a better combination of a coaching, a head coach and a coaching staff that knows how to use his personnel and gets the most from them as Mike Zimmer and the Vikings. When you look at what he has done with the defense, and most importantly, too, I'm fairly convinced that they got Bradford here and Bradford was told, Sam, you are a top overall pick. You've been told for five or six years now, A lot's expected. Do this, do that. You've got to carry teams. I'm pretty confident that he was told by this coaching staff, you only need to do what we're going to tell you that you need to do to win games. Yeah, and don't turn the ball. And don't yeah, exactly. Don't make don't make mistakes, but you do not have to carry this team. 
I think that when you look at what Belichick and, and the Patriots ha- have achieved, it's a great use of coaching slash personnel. I think the Vikings are very close to having that same type of combination right now. I didn't realize, by the way, Odell Beckham career low in yards tonight against the Minnesota Vikings defense. You know what? The, the thing that you're talking about with this team and how good they are and how good they can be. I, I mean, tonight is an excellent all around performance when it comes to uh, just the, the offense too, I mean, moving the ball pr- yes. consistently and coming offensive back. line but finally came together. For I the whole think game. that there's still even room for improvement I, I, oh, there on is. the offense. I mean, I think that they could be even better. I mean, they score three touchdowns tonight, and they come up with a couple of really nice drives. They ran the ball well. Jarek McKinnon goes over 80 yards. It's over 100 yards overall. And, you know, so, so it's an all-around offensive performance. I think this can either be more of what we see, or we can see 30-point-plus performances if, if Sam Bradford is continuing to play like this and use other weapons other than just Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, 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 yeah. It could have been 27 tonight. <laughs> I know, but going. not for. You're so excited to go there. I it's I just yes it's yes it's a problem. It's such a it's such a classic sports Grinch. Do you want me to come out and say topic? He's a problem? Yes, he's, I want the sports Grinch to someone, get Grinchy. Okay, as someone who's followed the Vikings for his entire life, I can come tell, down the mountain with Max, take the sled, and go take you, all the kids' presents. Let's go. I the floor is you, yours. I can tell you, Gessling, right bleeping now. As someone who's followed this team from when I was a kid, my fear for them is that they're going to get to the NFC title game and that it's going to become imperative that Blair Walsh makes that 45-yard field goal and he's going to miss it wide left or wide right. Yes, if that's what you want me to say, I am amazed, boys. It amazes me that we're sitting here in week four, this remains a problem, and yet it's the one thing. These guys are smart. They're smart. They went out and got a quarterback. They've done all this. they built up a defense that's fantastic. But they're covering their eyes or they're plugging their ears or they're doing whatever mouthing curse words yeah Yeah. there was there was some of that on tv today i am i am take a professional lip reader to see that one i am bleeping shocked that they appear willing to put up with blair walsh bleeping is a paraphrase of the word mike zimmer used too actually no it was uh something to do with a, a family member i think but why? But why? Why? But how long? How long? Maternal Mike, Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Mike Zimmer has listen. Mike Zimmer lost a playoff game, and granted, it was a first round game after a nice year. But Mike Zimmer lost a playoff game because this guy he didn't just sort of missed. He panicked and missed wide left as as far wide as I would have missed that field goal. Why you'd be willing to put up with this with Super Bowl aspirations? I don't get. But they, for whatever reason, right now they appear very willing. To put up with it. They are very loyal to certain players. Which is fine if it's Cordero Patterson and I might get frustrated. But you know what? The worst thing he does is sits on the bench and returns kicks. But this this guy has the potential in a close game to submarine you. Well, Mike Zimmer said it tonight. I mean, he basically said, yeah, if we keep going with this and we keep missing these, it's going to come back to bite us in the butt at some point. And it's like, well, Mike, it, it already did. I mean, it did last January. And it is going to be interesting to see how much longer they have patience with this because, I mean, he, every time he misses one, it seems like he comes back later in the game and makes another one, and he did it tonight. But, uh, man, it, it certainly seems like it's going to be something that Mike Zimmer runs out of patience with this pretty soon, or maybe he already has. I, it's hard to tell. I think we're at the point. It's maybe like one of those uh, sort of progression things that's on some sort of 
curve it's traveling on. Seven stages but of kicking. We are. You're at acceptance. The, you, right. You're at the point where you have accepted. No, you, you have not accepted. Go yet. for two. You are not accepted or go for two yet. What you have gotten Denial. to is the point of. All right, last resort is to bring in some other guys, fly them in to Winter Park, have them kick some field goals in front of Vikings front office people to let Blair and Walsh know you better start making them or this thing's over with. Like, you don't do it necessarily to sign somebody on the spot, but you bring them in to say, look, guy, it's time to make some freaking field goals because that one tonight was routine again. I mean, he's, he's not indoors, made, by the way. He's not indoors inside in your own stadium where they quiet everybody down and they just put the Minnesota Viking logo up on the screen. They're not trying you got to the black bag. Black backdrop that he wanted. They are right? giving you the batter's eye. They're making it as yeah. easy as it possibly could be. And in the, in the NFL now, a 46-yard field Those goal doors should, were open, should be as good as, uh, as gold. But here's I, my question. How do you, if this costs them in, in the playoffs, how do you walk in that locker room and look at those guys and say, you know what we did this year, boys? We built this defense. I know it's fantastic. We made, when Teddy went out, we traded a first and potentially, by that point, second-round pick for a quarterback, and it worked out great. We lost Peterson, but it still went fine. But what undermined us was the fact that we were so damn emboldened that we were going to keep Rick's kicker that, that that cost you your seat. How do you look at your locker room? If you Zimmer's one thing, one big thing, I think, is this. I don't think he BSs. I think he goes in and tells players exactly what's what. And they respect that. And because of that, they buy into this nonsense about people don't believe. Of course they believe. But the players suspend their belief because they think that their head coach has their best interest at heart all the time, right? So how do you walk in at the end of a season if Walsh cost them and say, but the one thing that cost us was a kicker who, by the way, weeks and weeks ago we knew might pee down his pants? Well, and the the question I have is if you bring in other kickers – I don't think it, I don't think the issue is oh he's not motivated he needs some shot across the bow to be like boy I got to go out and start making kicks I almost wonder if it's the opposite where he's so much in his head now that I mean Mike Prefer basically said it Friday that it's between the ears with Walsh right now and I wonder if if you bring in another kicker is that going to help or is that going to make it worse or I, I I feel like if you bring in another kicker you have to be prepared to say this could be our guy, and we are ready to make that move if, in fact, that guy plays well enough to take the job. And uh, maybe the best part of the entire conversation is that none of us none of us would ever know or be able to predict it. I mean, you could bring in another guy like Robbie Gold, if he's still out there, I assume he is, uh, who has a long career of being a good kicker, but the Bears cut him for a reason. Maybe he uh, finds the fountain of youth like Phil Dawson post-Browns. Right. Or just continues kicking and being halfway decent, even though the guy's 100 years old or Adam Vinatieri. Is he still in the league? I think yeah. He is, right. Yeah. Right. Colts. Right. And the, and the Patriots got rid of him and he was still good after a while. You could do that. Made a couple of big kicks in his career. Yeah. And, and maybe and maybe that works out or maybe Blair Walsh gets it together. I mean, how can you predict? But how can you take that chance? Right. Yeah. How's that? But, fair? but how can you predict how anybody else will do that? You're going to bring in who doesn't have a job. It feels to me like the reason you would keep him is probably a long term decision. It's the type of thing where, well, we've got him signed for X number of years, whether that's it or well, he's going to get it together at some point. He's too good of a kicker not to do that. 
that's the type of, I mean, that's organizational level thinking. Coach level thinking is how do I win this game right now? And if it gets to a playoff game, how do I win this game to keep my season alive? That is going to be, I think, where you hit this this conflict in the sense of at some point you have to make decisions for right now, especially if you think you have a chance to go to an NFC title game, go to a Super Bowl, win That's a Super Bowl. That's exactly I what mean, they're doing. That's why this doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, and it, at this point, you know, it's it's week four. Obviously, there are going to be bigger scenarios if this continues to be an issue. But if it gets to be week. 13 week 14 and we're still here i mean and this team looks like it's ready to go to the playoffs can you go into the playoffs with with this situation i, I that is going to be a fascinating storyline to watch if we keep going if if the two threads of the vikings winning and blair wall struggling continue on their current paths we're going to have some very interesting things to write about and talk about in a couple of months and, and i think you almost would have to do something because of, like you said, Judd, the message to everybody else that everybody's accountable. That's the word that they love the most, right? Everyone's accountable. If you don't do your job, we'll find somebody else. Well, except for this guy, and then we're going to let him try to figure it out. Right. I, I mean, this, there, is a, there is the sample size problem, and maybe you do believe in his talent, and maybe you do believe that he can get it together. But if you go on into midseason, and eventually this guy is going to hurt you by missing field goals, how do you tell everybody else that he's that's okay, he's all right, he gets to stay despite him not doing his job, even though you'll lose yours if you don't? I got names from baseball for you guys. Steve Blass, Rick Ankeel, Steve Sachs. Covered Rick Ankeel as an outfielder with the Nationals. But he Great wasn't arm. before. No, he was a pitcher. Chuck Knobloch. What do they all have in common? Yep. Mackie Sasser. Yep. They all, at their respective positions, lost the ability to throw the ball. It was all mental. I'm sorry, but if I'm the Vikings, I'm not taking my chance that a guy who has the kicking yips is going to find himself in a season where, by the way, every time he kicks now, the pressure gets dialed up. Yep. One, the games are important. These guys are not going to score a ton of points. The games are important. for you guys. And he comes out every time. And you can see it. You can just see the mind going. Mm -hmm. He's got the kicking yips. I have no interest in trying to fix that in a season where you think you you can win a title. Yeah, I would also say that Scott Norwood post wide right was that was pretty much it. I mean, he couldn't kick at all, and his career pretty much came to an end. Now there have been other kickers. Fact check on that. Didn't he make a field goal to send them to the playoffs the next season? He may have. He may have. Or but, to win a playoff his, game. His career pretty much. I just watched the four down. falls of Buffalo. Is, he had yes. some redemptive moment, yes, he sort did. of. Yeah, well, not and, like and, wide and, right. right. They but. eventually, everybody eventually forgave him and whatever else, and he's okay now. But his career didn't last much no, longer true. after that. Now that could have been because he was old. Uh, you know, and his maybe, leg wasn't very good. Maybe he just lost it, and his leg wasn't very good, or maybe it was that he never really got past it. So I don't know if Blair Walsh will or not, or if I'm like, how am I supposed to look at these kicks and go? Well, this is definitely proof that he cannot do it anymore. Or, well, if he missed these without the 27-yard miss, we really wouldn't be that concerned about it. But you would be because go back two years. Two years ago, same problem. Last year, it got better until, until the playoff miss. We've been through this road. We've been down th this path before. This is done because they drafted Blair Walsh, and it's been done because they signed him to an extension, and they don't want to swallow their pride and say, you know what? It's time to move on.
Speaking of moving on, we uh, we need to do that here because we have a very special guest on this podcast. The game has been over now for three hours, and the, and the fact that that he is still here and still willing to to uh, appear on our little show in our little corner of the world shows you just how much he loves to talk football. John Gruden is here with us. Boys, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here, John. Don't you have a uh, Don't you have a flight to catch to uh, wherever you got to be next? Uh, well, when I have back a to chance, Bristol, you get a chance after a Monday night football game like this, Ben Gessling, you get a chance to talk a little bit more football. I'm talking the Vikings and Giants on Monday night football. Doesn't get any bigger than this. The flight can wait, man. John, the flight your, can wait. John, your thoughts about uh, the Vikings, and especially this defense, just oh, looks man. so good. I, you're right, Judd. You hit the nail on the head. Defense. The defense is the name of the game with this team. Now, Ben, do they have some offensive problems? Of course, yes. They, the Vikings are still working through some of their problems. But I tell you what, man, when we won the Super Bowl, guess what we did it with, man? Pat Johnson? We we did it with defense. Yeah. I was going to say defense. You said Pat Johnson. I was going to say defense. We won the Super Bowl on the strength of that defense. Who's to say that the Minnesota Vikings, man, who's to say they can't do the same thing? John, when you watch the defense, what do you like about it? What sticks out to you on that defense? Smash mouth football, man. I'm telling you, they blow up those A-gaps. They got big man Limbaugh Joseph in the middle. He's a big bowling ball, man. I mean, he gets in the middle of the offensive line, and he just goes to work. The big guys got to eat. After that, everybody else plays their role. Mike Zimmer has this team well-coached. They're coached up. They're ready to play some football every single Sunday, and sometimes on Monday, too. This Vikings team, man, they come prepared to play, and they come ready to eat, like Judd Zolget in that pizza. <laughs> <laughs> John, thanks so much for for joining us. Just out of curiosity, have you heard the podcast before? Big fan, big longtime subscriber of the Purple Pocket. Man, I'll tell you what, you guys do a pretty good job. Ben Gessling, Judd Zolget, of course. You know uh, Matthew Collar, kind of the, kind of the new addition, the new flavor of the podcast. I'll tell you what, man, I used to love the Purple Podcast, man, when it was Andrew Kramer and Derek Wetmore, man. They those guys know football. On that note, we will uh, we will wrap it up here. My thanks to Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar, and of course our very special guest John Gruden. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. Thanks, it's John. Really to be here. Thanks so much for being here. We will be back with another edition later this week, previewing Vikings, Texans, and uh, possibly we'll get a few more special guests. You never know what's going to happen on the Purple Podcast, so make sure you check us out later this week. Leave us a review on iTunes, and uh, make sure you check us out on Podcast One as well. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.